Hello. Now, in this episode, I'm talking again with Frances Cosway of White Pebble Interiors about kitchens. Now, this is the second in a two-episode series on kitchens and getting it right in their interior design. So if you haven't checked out the previous episode, make sure you go back and listen to that and you'll hear part one and then this is part two. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before we dive into the interview, if you're listening because you want to get it right in your home's interior design, well, let me take a moment to tell you about the online program, Interior Design 101. If you're like most homeowners I know, dreaming, planning and choosing the interior design, finishes and items in your home, it's one of the fantastic and exciting highlights of any renovation or new build project. And yet, it can also be a minefield of options, confusion and overwhelm. Would you like to simplify those choices and have total clarity and confidence that your interior design will help you create your beautiful, functional, feel-good home? Well, that's exactly why Interior Design 101 was created. Interior Design 101 is a self-study DIY program. It contains the full version of all the interviews that are included in the podcast season. I couldn't put all of the questions into the podcast, so we've got the full interviews in both audio and video format, plus extra content that's been specifically created for Interior Design 101. There's full transcripts of all of our interviews. There's also extra checklists, guides, design layouts, and so much good stuff to support you in the interior design of your renovation new home or smaller project. This program has been designed to help you gain clarity and confidence in all those selections and decisions that you need to make for the finishes, fixtures, colours, materials and items that you'll be living with every day. So if you'd like to learn more about Interior Design 101, then head to www.interiordesign101.com.au and that's the numbers, the numerals 101. So Interior Design 101.com.au and I'll pop that link in the show notes as well. Now let's kick off our episode. So in the last episode, which was part one of our kitchen's interior design conversation, we talked a lot about the componentry of the kitchen. So the cabinetry or the joinery and what you need to know so that you can choose for performance and for durability. Now, as I said last time, I actually see a lot of homeowners get really caught up on the aesthetics of their kitchen and they're seeking to create a specific look or a design style. And then they don't really know how to ensure that their kitchen's going to you know, actually perform and be durable for family life. It's a space that gets used a lot, so it does need to perform. In this episode, we're going to go into some more detail about some of the other materials and fixtures that you'll need to choose for your kitchen. And so you're going to learn how to assess these choices, not only for their aesthetic appeal, but more importantly, how they're going to handle the punishment that they're about to endure in your family kitchen. I hope you enjoy this episode. So Francis, in our last episode, we dived into kitchens and talked about the carcasses and the uh, cupboard fronts, the splashback and 
some of those componentry that you need to consider uh, and some of the specifics around that. This episode, we're going to be talking about benchtops and a few other things, obviously, that go into kitchens. But benchtops is a big topic because obviously it's the, the performing surface. It's the surface you're always working on. It does create quite an aesthetic stamp on the kitchen as well. And there's so many different materials to choose from. And I don't think pe- I think people are so sort of fixated on, um, oh, we'll just go with reconstituted stone and don't understand that there's actually all these other beautiful opportunities for them. So obviously there's various different materials. We've got uh, laminate, we've got reconstituted stone, we've got natural stone, timber bench tops are still around, obviously, stainless steel, concrete is um, definitely becoming more and more popular. That's been, that has been around for some time, but I'm seeing it obviously now a lot more in mainstream kitchens. We've also got porcelain, which is a fairly new material in the last couple of years, and then Corian, which is something that I think Uh, industry might use quite a bit, but not necessarily a lot of people outside of the industry. Lots to choose from. So what are some of the criteria that you use to decide uh, which bench top is going to be the best fit for a client and for their kitchen and for their, you know, their budget and their needs for the family home that they're creating? Well, obviously budget is definitely um, a big criteria because it's going to rule out or include a lot of different options. Uh, So budget's definitely one of them. Durability is another um, in terms of how hard it needs to perform and also the maintenance. So, for example, with something like timber, um, there is going to be uh, maintenance required with something like a a timber. But then there's also the ecological and sustainable considerations as well. They maybe want a product that is very sustainable or recycled. um, So that would be a consideration. The type of cook that you are will determine um, the sort of surface that is going to work or not. So, for an example, if you are a really big cook, uh, a Carrara marble is not going to be a great choice for you because it's certainly not best friends with things like acids from lemons and also red wines. And a natural stone can also be quite high maintenance in terms of it needing to be sealed on a regular basis. Um, also, the aesthetic. So, sometimes we talked about in the last episode how tiles and a splashback can be, or sorry, a splashback can be your leading component and then you choose all the other elements of your kitchen afterwards. Sometimes the bench top is the leading, um, I, I call it the leading component and then everything else follows. So if, for example, you found in a magnificent slab of natural stone, that really will be then the leading piece. Everything else needs to follow from that. So the aesthetic is important. Uh, if you are wanting a real feature uh, in your splashback, whether you want it to basically recede in and be the same colour as the cabinetry. Um, and then I think maintenance is, I've, I've just mentioned that, but maintenance is a big, big um, component and how durable that that uh, that bench is going to be for you. Yeah, and I think it's quite, people I, I think are often surprised that sometimes you can actually get a low cost um, product like Formica or, you know, a laminate bench top and you can choose them in different thicknesses and get a very durable finish. Um, whereas you choose a natural stone, which is obviously going to be considerably more expensive and that's not going to be as durable or something like stainless steel, which is, fan- you know, is used in commercial kitchens all the time. Um, but then people in homes are surprised that it just shows scratches so much and, you know, and, uh, and and that you do, you know, you do obviously kind of beat it up over a period of years for it to for it to sort of, you know, look a certain way. So I think it's really interesting people make some assumptions about the material choices and what the durability might be to go with them. Well, so I can run through some of the 
Laminate is, it really was a very, very popular product maybe 20, 30 years ago as a benchtop surface. Look, it, you can't put hot dishes on it. It, uh, it can burn really easily. Um, it is effectively made out of plastic components. So it's not probably the most durable that you can have. In fact, if I think about all the different products around, it's probably the least durable from a benchtop perspective. Let's not talk about cabinetry. Reconstituted stone is incredibly popular, and I think it's just because people know it as a material. Um, there's obviously brand names out there that have marketed their products very, very well. Um, be mindful that there are a lot of different brands of reconstituted stones, and the ones that are marketing heavily, uh, you'll pay a lot more for those for those products. It, reconstituted stone can work really well, though. For example, as I was saying about a Carrara marble, you may absolutely love that look but you know that you're going to be cooking. So having a reconstituted stone that's got that look but without the maintenance can actually be a really good backup for the, an aesthetic that you're really after. Natural stone is so unique, so you're really going to have something that no one else is having. You get to go and choose your, your slab, but it will need to be sealed. Um, so there will be maintenance around that, and not all natural stones are the same. Something like a granite, a Zimbabwean granite, has pretty much got no variation. It's a very solid black, incredibly durable. Um, however, you may have want to choose a stone or love a stone that's got a lot of variation, but not all stones are the same. Your marbles are much softer. Timber, I think I touched on. There are now recycled bench tops, which is fabulous from a sustainability perspective. Some people like that beaten up look. It really adds to the charm of it. Others will want that to be sanded back regularly, but it will need to be sealed. It's definitely not as hard wearing as, as a stone product. Stainless steel, as you said, it scratches, but a lot of people choose it um, because it is very, very hygienic. Uh, hence why cooks and commercial kitchens have got it everywhere. But other people love the fact that it scratches and it's got a little bit of, um, you know, it shows that you've been using it. So, again, it's going to come down to the sort of person that you are and if you want it to be looking pristine all the time. Concrete, freeform concrete is stunning and I suppose you can have it in any thickness that you like. You can have it tinted. Um, it can be quite um, not as durable on the edges, so it can chip on the edges. So, again, if you don't really like that, then you might want to stay away from it. Uh, but it is quite expensive because it is actually being poured on site. Porcelain you mentioned, um, which is huge in Europe at the moment. It's coming out in, you know, I think 10 years ago it was the thicker the bench top, the more prestigious and luxurious it was. You know, we're talking... 100, 120 mil bench tops uh, when they're made out of a corine, which is a solid acrylic surface. Now it's the thinner that you can get it, six, eight mil, the more slick it's looking. So porcelain is very, very durable. Um, and some of the products out there are stain resistant. You can put hot pans on them. Um, there are different types of products out there, but they're very, very thin and you can't get the stone as thin as what you can with the porcelain. So from an aesthetic perspective, if you're after something that is really thin and very slick looking, porcelain is then is then the choice. A couple of other ones that I wanted to mention that I've been discovering at trade shows in the last few months is stone bench tops now that are made out of 100% recycled glass. Abs absolutely stunning. So I've got a lot of clients that are very sustainably focused and uh, we've been seeking out products that are meeting this requirement. So this is a, a heat treated product and it's made in Australia, which is just, it's just ticking so many boxes for me from that perspective. 
very limited colors, but they have one color that is really, really neutral and just absolutely beautiful. And I can see we're going to use it a lot. The other thing that I saw, which is coming out of America, which blew me away, I really had to get my head around this, which was 100% man-made natural stone. So, and I really grilled the guy about this. I said, so just walk me through that 100% man-made natural component. So the difference there is a reconstituted stone is made with quartz, and so it's made with particles of natural stone, but also quartz, which is binding, and then it's got resin and all that sort of stuff in it. This particular 100% 100% man-made natural stone is 100% natural stone fibre. So there's no quartz, no polymers, no mixes in it, and then they use heat to actually seal that together. So the advantage with something like that for some people is you're getting consistency of look. Not everyone loves the fact that it's inconsistent, which is why a lot of people do go down the reconstituted stone because they see the slab, they know what they're going to get. Um, so this could be a, uh, a great product for them because it is a natural product but it is sealed, so you don't need to worry about about that. The other one that uh, is coming out of America is an 85% recycled glass bound with a bioresin. Um, this is audio, so I can't actually show you, but you can see it's made out of bottle tops, or sorry, bottles. You've got the blue, you've got the greens. You can actually see that it's glass with often a, a white background. Quite spectacular. It sort of reminds me of a terrazzo. Definitely not for everyone, but looks quite incredible. And that's also got a high recycled component to it. And then we've got a product that's Dectin, which I suppose is a hybrid between, uh, and that's a Cosentino product, uh, incredibly durable. It's not a porcelain. A lot of people think it's a porcelain. It's graffiti resistant. It's UV resistant. It's scratch resistant. Uh, It's pretty much everything resistant. You can transfer your pan directly onto it. And it's also very thin. Uh, It uses quartz and natural minerals and it's pressed together with heat. I'm using that a lot because it is pretty much indestructible. So when we're talking about a family kitchen, um, it is definitely a consideration. Yeah, what a brilliant run through. I actually, um, I saw the uh, the recycled glass one in, when I was in the States kind of this time last year. I went to a stone showroom in New York and they had a raft of samples of them. I mean, it's quite interesting in the States, natural stone, uh, for for kitchens, natural stone is price comparative to reconstituted stone, and they have um, they have some amazing kind of ranges of choice there that we don't necessarily see here in Australia. And that that one, it's it is very much like terrazzo. It was very cool, and they had it in a lot of different color ranges. And um, and I remember thinking, wow, you could actually have a lot of fun with that type of bench top. So, and uh, like you say, you know, the decton, the porcelain, that that movement from going to the very fat, thick benchtop and that being the sign of prestige and luxury to going now to that very thin edge is quite an interesting transition. And I know that at uh, whenever we were doing projects at um, Mervac, we would always be looking to what was happening in European kitchens kind of at that time because we knew that our projects might not be hitting the ground till sort of four, five, six years time in terms of when they might be complete. And by that stage, that European trend would be starting to show up in Australia. And so it is, if you're starting to sort of look around at what might be available and what might be 
coming into the market, um, whether you're a professional or you're doing this, um, your project sort of long term, look to Europe, look at what they're doing. It's actually, that's where we, as Australians, we take a lot of our direction from. And I see America does take, it's starting to take a lot more of its direction from there as well. And there is a quite a big variety across the states in terms of their aesthetic preferences for what they're doing. There's still obviously the more traditional approach, but then there's um, there's uh, that sort of starting to have that sleeker look that you're seeing with the thin tops and and um, those types of things. So I think for if anybody um, listening or watching can just think, wow, all I thought was that I could choose Laminex or reconstituted stone. I had an inkling that there was natural stone, but it was out of my price point. You can start to see, actually, no, that there are so many different choices for you. And so really starting to think about how do you want it to perform? How, what's your budget? How durable does it need to be? What's the look that you're chasing um, and, and uh, working through it in that way? I think the two key things I'd probably look at is budget um, and then also your functionality, your durability, um, because, that, that you know, it's fine that you may spend a little bit less, but this is where I would advise as an interior designer, maybe we rob a little bit, rob Peter to pay Paul, really invest in your bench top as much as you possibly can because it has to be so hard wearing. And also think about the waterfall sides because a lot of people will wrap around the bench and we call it waterfall and it goes all the way down. Laminex, uh, laminate product is, is just not going to cut it um, because it's going to chip at the side. So if you do want it to go down, you need to think about, you know, prams and kids stuff knocking into it and, and it chips. Uh, so you need to think about that as well, particularly with something like concrete. The one I didn't talk about was solid acrylic surface, which is huge in the UK and it really is generically known as, well, the generic term is solid acrylic surface, but we really know it in Australia as Corian, which is a brand name. There are many different brands of solid acrylic surface around. They're pretty much all made in the same place anyway. The advantage with something like that is it's repairable and that is a big plus. It is a, a premium product. And it's a mould, so you can have it made to any thickness, any shape, any style that you absolutely want. So if you really want to inject a little bit of um, your own personality into the shape and use curves and things like that, solid acrylic surface is definitely the way to go. The fact that it's in, uh, repairable and there's no seams. So a lot of people don't like the seams. You need to be very conscious of your slab lengths. Most of them are three. Some of them are now going to 3.2 metres. But if you've got an island bench that's three and a half, you will have a seam unless you're using a product such as a solid acrylic surface, which is seamless, repairable. You can backlight it. And they've also got a new technology in some of the brands where they actually have a mobile charger inbuilt into the bench. So you just need to put your phone on it and it will charge. You obviously don't know about that yet. No, that's it's been insane. Quite a few and and the Europe thing is huge. So the thin bench top really, we are 10 years behind in Australia what's happening in Europe. The thin bench thing was coming in, well, I built my house five years ago. It was really coming in then. And it's sort of just sort of hitting Australia now. So the other thing I'll give you a heads up on because we went from gloss cabinetry all the way down to matte. Apparently gloss is coming back in the US. Okay. So high high gloss bench tops. So in ten years' time we're going back. <laughs> There's a trend tip. There's yeah. a trend tip. For free. <laughs> Thanks, Francis. All right, tapware. Okay, so tapware. It, you know, people get a lot of attention focused on their on their kitchen mixes. You can spend a 
fortune on kitchen mixes these days. They light up with different colors. They do all sorts of different things. We've gone from like very elegant looking taps to the full commercial kind of pull out, you know, like industrial kitchen style ones, but, you know, back to very elegant things. Of course, black tapware is a really big deal, but we've also got bronze and copper and a lot of different color ranges. What do you see people getting kind of caught up in? What are your, what's your sort of recommendations to people in that sort of selection of tapware for their kitchen? Well, I'm certainly seeing people get caught up with the taps that do boiling, still and sparkling water. Uh, and I've seen many, many husbands and wives have big arguments about that and where's it going to be and do we really need sparkling and, and everything else. So there's definitely a big um, trend for all of that. But all the coloured sort of uh, metals like your rose golds and all that sort of stuff is sort of very passe right now. I think the biggest thing to make the the tap in the kitchen work is to have a gooseneck. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes people make is just have a straight out tap, like a laundry tap. You can't get your big pans under there. Um, it need you need to be able to get under that under that uh, water source and 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 get your big pots under there. Having a tap that actually pulls out is very useful for cleaning and also rinsing out your veggies and things like that. So it's very functional. Those big massive commercial style with the big rings and they sort of they're sort of on their they've sort of been gone for quite some time. But that was definitely a huge fad and everyone wanted one of those. Look at my big gizmo and most people don't use them. Um, being able to swivel so that the tap can actually move, particularly if you've got two sinks, which is a great idea. Doesn't necessarily need to be double, but if you've got the two two sinks, that's definitely uh, worthwhile. But you want that tap uh, to swivel. One handle is really important. So rather than having, well, you can just sort of use it with your your elbow or just the back of your hand to turn it on. So a lever, a lever style, which is which is generally what they are, but you can still sort of get uh, different sorts of styles too. But I would invest in the kitchen tap. Uh, it needs to work hard for you. So it's probably one area. It doesn't mean you need to go and spend thousands and thousands of dollars. You don't need to go and get the latest Italian um, style or whatever. But, you know, spend a little bit of money and get a really good kitchen tap because it does need to to work really hard for you, probably more than any other tap in the house. The one thing I do say, uh, this may be my own view, but I don't think that the kitchen tap needs to match the rest of the tapware in the house. So, yes, you need to accessorise it black back to what's going on in the kitchen, but I don't think it needs to be the same brand or necessarily the same style as the rest of the house, which is what I would suggest for all the other tapware in the home. So that's one area where I think you've got a little bit more creative licence. Yeah, that's actually a really good tip. I agree with that. I don't. I think that the kitchen mixer can be quite a standalone piece, and uh, and it be about function and a particular aesthetic that you might be seeking to achieve. And then the bathroom tapware that which we'll be talking about in another episode that that then sits as its own family. So, and I think um, you know I'm with you. I see a lot of people get really caught up on how this thing looks, and then they choose like a low cost option. And you know, for example, if it's a black one, the black starts to scratch off over time, or the way that it sits on the bench top starts to rattle around because this tap is something that you are handling a lot you're generally turning it on and off with elbows and things like that so it's um it's one of those things that definitely needs to take a good lot of punishment you don't want sort of nooks and crannies in it that are going to sort of you know collect gunge and be difficult to keep clean also knowing obviously whether it fixes you know 
into a bench top or into the wall or if it's um, if you're having an undermount uh, undermount sink or a, a sink that um, sits into the bench top at where the tap then sits in relation to that so there's lots of different things to consider in terms of how those components go together and you might find that if you're having a butler's pantry with it a sink in it that your kitchen sink will do in the main kitchen will do you know one set of jobs but your butler's pantry sink will do another set of jobs and so sort of letting that play out but yeah I see people get really torture themselves over what this thing needs to look like and I would yeah I would really encourage you as you said Francis that focus on function first really think about how you know I, I remember, I mean, I, you look at the um, the programs coming out of the States, they're putting taps over the top of their cooktops to fill their pots, which just terrifies me. <laughs> Can you imagine having a tap over the top of your cook? But that's customary. And what they do there, they put, you know, they have tapware and it's like comes out on an arm and you fill your pots of water from the pot tap. And then you have your, whereas, you know, we're a bit more, I think, um, a little bit Least more. Least amount of exercise. <laughs> yeah. It's scary. <laughs> it's very scary to have electricity, gas, and water all in the same place. But um, yeah. So, but that thing of filling up a pot. If you want to sit a pot in a sink and then get the tap over the top, and also I find people they position these, they get these very tall statement pieces of taps that turn on, and the water gushes out of it and just splashes everywhere because the distance between where the tap is, the, the jet of water and the floor of the sink is actually quite a long distance. And particularly um, those farm, the chi- the China sinks, which people really love too in a particular aesthetic style of kitchen, you know, they, yeah, you start to get a lot of kind of splash and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and then if you've got your island, your, your sink in your island bench, um, which I always uh, recommend is not a great idea, but this tap then can make a lot of mess. So I think it's, um, yeah there's some great advice there in terms of the selection of it just invest in good quality because it's going to be used several times a day you know every day and by every family member and it needs to take a lot of punishment now choosing your sink yes okay so we've got stainless steel sinks and we've also got now a fair few other materials to get the different colors happening as well and People I see getting really confused about whether this is going to be a good choice for them. We've also got the farmhouse style sinks. What are your thoughts around sinks generally, drop-in, undermount, you know, all of those types of things? Just the criteria I suppose that people need to consider when they choose. Um, I definitely would go for an undermount or a flush mount. So the inset sinks where you've still got the lip is a real pain to clean around. You still get the bits of grime under there. So if it's flush which means it's completely flush with the bent or it's undermount which is even better so the top is actually rolling uh in it means you can just wipe it go and go straight into the sink so i definitely would make a preference um for those two styles i think the other thing is this people feel that they need two big large sinks and i think with the amount of dishwashing with the dishwasher that we're doing and not so much washing up at the sink like we were doing 30 years ago um that maybe two double sinks is taking up a lot of you know, bench space that could be used for something else. So I suggest either a, a full bowl and then a half or a quarter, and you can even get three quarters, and that's generally more more than enough for doing your rinsing and whatever you need to do. And then there's the drainer, and, again, it's going back to our we used to wash a lot of dishes 30 years ago, having a double drainer, which is, again, taking up a lot of precious bench space because we really want to have as much lateral bench space as we can. So I would always suggest um, trying to eliminate the drainer altogether and have the grooves um, into the stone or integrated some other way so that you can still use that area as a bench top uh, if you need to. At absolute worst, have just one side as a drainer. 
And of course, sinks are now coming with all these gadgets now. You've got mats and draining mats and 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 all these special um, bits and pieces that you can use as well, and boards that go over the top. But I don't think you really knew, use a lot of those um, gadgets that that come with the sink, even though they look good at the time. Uh, choose a brand. I think this is really important. It's one of those things that I see people think, oh, it's it's only a kitchen sink, so I don't really need to get. I can get a really cost-effective one, but the difference between a really good sink and a cheaper version sink is actually the thickness of the stainless steel. And if you just sort of push on it, the bowl, you can sort of feel it buckle and you can hear the sort of echoey sound where a really good quality sink, which is about between four and six mil versus one to two mil thick of stainless steel, it feels a lot more solid and that's obviously going to stand the test of time in terms of really heavy pans and, and things like that. I wouldn't go for a true really square sink because it's very difficult to clean in the corners, so a slightly rounded edge. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, we've, I think we're pretty like-minded on most things. Uh, but, you know, it might look amazing, but that is a pain to clean. So just ever so slightly rounded is just going to make it uh, a little bit easy to clean. So think about the function um, you can also get the seamless integration with reconstituted stone. Only some of the brands are doing it um, where you've got a seamless integration of your sink. What a beautiful way to just create this very um, seamless aesthetic. Uh, you don't actually see a sink at all um, because it's all the same material. Corian or so, uh, solid acrylic surface can do the same thing. So inquire about that as well if that's um, of, of importance to you. Black sinks are obviously becoming very popular. Uh, you need to look what they're made out of because um, some of them can scratch very, very easily, very quickly. So uh, there are certainly brands out there that are producing ones that are, are very durable, um, but you just need to make sure uh, what, you, what you're getting. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is some of the cheap ones, their black only penetrates so far. So when they scratch, you're getting a paler substrate material. So the scratches will be even far more obvious. So it is, I like, it is one of those things people think, oh, I can save some cash here. I don't need to, you know, stainless steel is stainless steel. And it's, it's, you know, it might be made from the same material, but it will be different thicknesses, different manufacture, different support. And the thing is that the kitchen sink is not, it's not like you frame up the entire thing like you do a bath. It's self, it's supported at the edges and then it has to self-support through the guts of it so you need to make sure that you know if you if you are sitting like you imagine you're sitting in a big pot that you're filling up with you know five liters or ten liters of water that's five ten kilos you know so it's like how, making sure that this thing is going to be durable over the course of time so I can't emphasize enough and I know you'll be on the same page about this like your kitchen in particular you're going to be spending so much time in it I see people get so frustrated with what it's going to cost to achieve this look that they want I saw a woman asking the other day in a Facebook group is there somewhere that I can buy a cheap a cheap, uh, a cheaper looking marble because I a cheaper, sorry, cheaper, a cheaper marble that still looks like good marble I because it. I, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't, um, I just can't afford it. And it's like, you're, you're this thing is going to drive you mental day in, day out because it's going to chip and it's going to stain and it's going to, you know, just because you were so attached to the way that this thing looks. So if you are finding as a homeowner that you've got this really fixed idea about the aesthetic, often people are starting with the kitchen. It's the thing that they really are lusting after because they've been dealing with a, you know, sub-quality kitchen for some time and a new home or a renovated home is the opportunity to have a really great kitchen. And so they get really attached to this particular look and idea just really assess where your budget's best to be invested so that you get really durable, functional, 
quality components because kitchens are expensive to pull apart and put back together and uh and so you know you really only want to do it once and get a you know a good a good mm. length of time out of it all so Look, i'd even say further to that if you really can't afford to get uh, I think people focus so much on the aesthetic because it is going to be an important look in their house because it is where people congregate. Um, but if the compromise is so big in terms of the functionality and the durability, it's a false economy to go and put a cheap kitchen together as in compromising on the materials and your sinks and your taps and things like that because they have to work so hard. I would wait and delay it and save up a little bit more so that you're getting something that is going to be worthwhile. Yeah, definitely. I often say to people, put Laminex cupboard fronts on it and and then replace all those cupboard fronts in five, ten years' time after your kids have finished bashing them with pots, you know. So, you know, if you want if you want to like trade off where spending the money and where you know things are going to be easy to replace down the track. So Francis, I think we've got through some really important information. Hopefully homeowners will find it super helpful. So thank you once again. This has been brilliant. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed part two of our kitchen conversation and found that really useful. Head to the show notes because there we've got links and resources mentioned in this episode and you can also get in touch with Frances and White Pebble Interiors or you can check out her book, Your Forever Home. You'll also find a link there to learn more about Interior Design 101, which is the self-study online program that's going to help you gain clarity and confidence for the interior design of your future home. Inside Interior Design 101, Frances and I talk more in detail about flat pack kitchens and we also talk about hinges and handles and other hardware and how to choose well for these items especially the handles that you need to avoid. I also have inside Interior Design 101 I've got a detailed presentation there on your kitchen layout and I share specific dimensions and drawing requirements so that you can ultimately control the outcome in your finished kitchen. Having seen a lack of drawings cause homeowners so many headaches I know that this presentation is going to be super helpful to many of you who are trying to work out how many drawings you need and what they should look like. And other exciting news is that my super popular five-day kitchen design challenge is actually now living inside Interior Design 101 as a special bonus. So it's a great burst of info that just takes you through the practical formula to creating a kitchen that you'll love spending time in and that will work for you and your family. And that's all inside Interior Design 101. In the next episode, I'm going to have a special guest for you sharing some incredibly useful and interesting information. It's really going to help you get clear on how to make choices that are going to be most authentic for you in your interior design. So make sure you tune in for that. As always, huge gratitude to you. Thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.